Hey, that kind of nerd fans. Before we move on, I just wanted to uh, briefly mention uh, my buddies Greg Hall and Sam Matura actually started a podcast about two months ago called We Podcast and We Know Things. They're moving on to episode 11, and luckily they actually asked me to be a part of it. So please check that out. Just go into iTunes, search We Podcast and We Know Things. Make sure you search for episode 11 if you can't get enough of the nerd news and the nerd culture. You can hear me, Greg, and uh, Sam talk a little bit more about that this weekend. Thank you so much. Welcome, everyone, to That Kind of Nerds podcast, a show where we break down what's going on in the nerdy world. I am CJ Mellon, joined, of course, by Brian Thornton and Josh Burns. Hello, boys and girls. I had to, I had to sort of describe the podcast to somebody this week. Uh, I was I was out. Uh, I was on business uh, with a colleague and, and sort of first time we'd met. And there's usually that awkward thing. But this dude was super cool. But I had to sort of describe the podcast and I felt for a moment, I'm like, it's, we just, it's about nerd life. I'm not really sure how to, it's anything f- nerdy. It's just, it's awesome. Would you, <laughs> and like, I'm trying to right cause I can't, I possibly articulate all the things that I think we do because I, I just feel like it's, ev- it's everything I talk about. So d- another, just another affirmation, episode 76 uh, where I learn, I'm still not sure what it is I do here. <laughs> <laughs> you drink and you know things, Josh. That's all you need to know. For sure. Uh, I'm actually glad that you brought that up because that brings me to uh, an idea I had. Uh, again, trying to explain the podcast to people as well. Uh, it was like, okay, what's the show about? And I'm just like, well, you know, sometimes we take really nerdy things and we just kind of make them easy for everyone to understand and, and we can turn everyone into a nerd for like 10 minutes. We super mainstream the things? Sometimes. All right. Other times we don't at all. And no. I love those moments. Right. Sure. Uh, and, and the guy was like, oh, other so- times we make fun of CJ's poor decisions when around oh, technology. It's <laughs> mainly every time, except for apparently talking about the folding mate, which was apparently the No, that guy. was one of the times the folding we made mate fun was amazing. Of and your we made fun decisions. Of Anyway. Because you make poor decisions. So uh, the guy was like, oh, I'm so glad that you said that. I, I, I need help because I hang out with these group of nerds and I am not as up to nerd culture as they are. And when I say things, sometimes they want to throw rocks at me. This guy wants to be cooler for the nerd. He's like, I just want to understand this that, nerd culture. Yeah, he wants to be cooler. He's not cool. He wants to be cooler. That's yeah, this really awesome. would have helped me like 15 years ago. Exactly. So he said, could you maybe do something like a, a nerd translator for me? Uh, and I figured I would take the opportunity to help him right now with the issue that he was having. Uh, and that was he was talking to some friends and he was talking about uh, an image that he saw online and he said the word jiff in front of them. And <laughs> jiff is a peanut butter. And then half the room exploded with what the hell are you saying? That is the incorrect way. And the other word was like, yep, that's the right way to say it. And they fought. And he goes, why did my nerd friends fight? So I was hoping we could go ahead and just do a little nerd translation as to why that is a problem amongst his friends. No, forget why it's a problem. There, There is no other way. Jif is a thing that choosy moms choose for their children. <laughs> Listen, That's it. You know what's funny is I was driving as you were communicating this, I think via text, CJ, and in CarPlay, Siri reads the text and says, guy didn't understand why his friends were unhappy. He said Jif instead of Jif. And I went, oh, Siri doesn't get it either. Which is weird because there was an Apple commercial, I could have swear, where Siri said GIF. Well, maybe, but I'm telling you what happened in real time, and I was I was very happy about the argument. I'm, look, I'm fine with it. I like to say GIF every now and then because it makes Brian angry. It makes me angry too. So let me – How do you let, pronounce G-I-F? Here's what I found on the web for how do you pronounce GIF. <laughs> how dare you, Siri? So okay, so let's let's break this down for a quick second. All right, a GIF, yeah, I said it is a graphical interface. Uh, I'm sorry, a graphics interchange format. Graphics begins with a G sound. Graphics. All right, the creator of this format is a says GIF. He is not a linguist. He is a computer nerd. He does not get to dictate he, the way that CJ, we say this. He could be a very cunning linguist, but he's not. He, He's not a linguist. You don't know that. But In I his do. defense, CJ, neither are we. But it's pronounced GIF. I can spit fire, bruh. You can spit fire. Right. Um, but more importantly, when you're spitting fire, I'm hoping you're pronouncing it GIF. 
So the reason nerds get mad is because apparently we're fighting about how to actually pronounce letters. And that's why your nerd friends got upset. And the ones who say GIF, tell them to go get peanut butter and walk away from you because they shouldn't be your friends. Uh, I, I include a, a quick sample from a, a YouTube video about just uh, how ridiculous it would uh, be to apply those same rules to this of GIF and GIF. So enjoy that for your, your quick moment here. GIF stands for Graphics Interchange Format. I'm sorry, are you trying to tell me that it's pronounced graphics? Am I going to go home later today and play with my Jolden Retriever? Or rent the 2014 hit box office movie, Guardians of the Galaxy? Maybe for your birthday, I'll give you a gift. Uh, possibly a, a pet Joldfish, or maybe a, a Ginny Pidge. Anyway, that's your nerd translation for the week. So if you have something that you need to get nerdy translated, just send to us at translate at thatkindofnerd.com. We'll do it. All right, so there's another bit of, of nerdy news, a little technology news that we need to discuss, and that is uh, hopefully, uh, Josh, you saw this, that Google held an event, and they unveiled a Google-made phone called the Google Pixel. 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 Pixel XL is built by HTC, which is exciting. So, yeah, HTC is going to make the actual hardware, but it was designed software to hardware uh, by Google themselves, and then someone else is making it, which yep. sounds a little familiar. Um did you get to watch the the conference where they also announced some other things too? No, I mean I I saw I saw a few things, um, but you know primarily I'm intrigued by the phone. I I think it looks cool. Uh, I I think that audio, screen quality, everything's there, uh, and then you're left with inferior software. So I don't have a problem with the phone itself. Honestly, if if it would run iOS, I probably might, you know, I might grab one, right? It's, but mm-hmm. but that's the thing is that it it doesn't. And and for me that's that's what it is. I, I saw a couple things, right? So the Pixel, I thought the Pixel XL looks very cool. Uh I'm you know, the price point I think is a little high me too. for a Google device. But it look it looks like a really cool device. So, and and is this is this one going to run Tango at all? or Because I saw a Tango phone that looked amazing. No. Why are you giving me that look? Tango? Yeah. Leno- the Lenovo Fab 2 Pro is the f- going to be the first Google Tango phone. It has four cameras that make- Oh, God. That thing. That turn your phone into an altered reality machine. Altered, altered and augmented reality machine. And and Google Tango, look, Google Tango's a thing. I, I thought that my only thing about the Pixel is that it doesn't integrate that newest, hottest, buzziest type thing. Yeah, but I look mean, look at that's... Brian; he's falling asleep. Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> but uh, and I don't want to get too into this. This this phone is trying. See, for me, this is not a big deal. Of hey, iPhone people, you should ditch your phone and buy this. Phone. No, no, it's, no. Hey, I, no, I know. Which is what most people were trying to do. It's hey, anyone else who owns a Samsung device, and hey, your phone's blowing up. Time to go ahead and buy a new Android device. This is something I think other Android makers should be afraid of. Well, maybe, maybe. I think that well, I Motorola think that, better be shaking in. Its well, boots. Motorola for sure, but I, I think what's beautiful, and I still feel this way about Android, is that it's the some of the smaller hardware manufacturers have really, really made some quality devices and set themselves apart. Like, yeah, Samsung and Motorola—they're your your sort of incumbents, right? But right. very quietly, manufacturers like Huawei. And Kyocera and it's starting to come up now. Of, uh, but now we see Lenovo doing it. Asus has made a couple decent devices, and and I just again the fault always becomes the software. So right. I'm I'm still enamored by these devices and what they're capable of. I think that it's great fun to if if you have certainly if you have the money laying around to buy one and experiment with it. It's a lot of fun. I don't. I still don't see. Android as a full solution daily driver ecosystem thing. And that's my problem. I, I agree. I would like I was really interested in the phone until I saw the price. And I was like, this would be a lot of fun to to play with and, and just to fiddle around with and root it and see what funny stuff I can do. But then after four months, I'm like, okay, this is I don't need this phone anymore. Two generations ago, we wouldn't have been talking about this, you know, this type th- this many manufacturers do here's the thing. Google Pixel 
Pixel XL 750, 775, whatever it is, mm-hmm. unlocked, that Lenovo Fab 2 Pro is 550. Yeah, they're they're very inexpensive. This is a little it, on the high end. Right. It, it, it is, and I, I think that's that's part of my problem. For, with it. for Android and Google fanboys, this is definitely something to rejoice about. It has an integration with Google Photos where they give you your full quality pictures, unlimited storage on the cloud for free. So you never have to worry about storage on the phone when it comes to pictures. Uh, it's got a couple other fantastic features too with the camera on it. It looks pretty nice. Um, it has a headphone jack, which they decided to just again jab Apple with, but again okay good dude good good for you for making fun of apple uh but the other thing i wanted to talk about real quick was google home um google home is basically like uh the amazon echo it's the alexa thing it's the thing that listens to you in your house uh and is linked to google uh it's gonna ship november 4th and it's gonna cost 129 dollars um it looks kind of interesting but i don't know if i want google listening to me in my home all the time but i don't need them i don't need them the grizzle box anything yeah it's just another cool thing of hey this this kind of technology is becoming more commonplace and it's coming to your home uh and if you i mean we've got josh and we have a lot of friends who are super into google i know this is going to be an integral part of their life but for me this is i don't know man i'm not i don't think that the the whole amazon echo alexa thing i don't think the Google thing. I don't think Cortana. I don't think Siri. I don't think any of these digital assistants have caught on in, in a way that is really meaningful. And I know that the the Amazon Echo commercials show people doing all kinds of crazy shit with, with Alexa. It doesn't – look, <laughs> they, I've used it. it. It doesn't work that way. It's yeah. not reliable. You can't – it does not take the place of a decent home automation software run by actual PCs. So careful, uh, but but with li- listen the la- and the last thing I think I want to make sure I say about the the phone itself, the device. Even if you're on Verizon, do not get the Verizon version of this phone. Buy the unlocked one, and here's why: the unlocked one will always update. Okay, as long as you keep it, it will continue getting every update. The Verizon one is not guaranteed to do that. It's only going to update as long as the carrier releases the update. And Android devices should not be governed by the carrier. Very true. So anyway, if you're a huge fan of Android, check it out. Uh, We'll have links in the show notes. Uh, It's available for pre-order through Best Buy, Verizon, and uh, directly through Google as well. Uh, So check it out if you're a huge Android fan. It's definitely worth it. Now let's let's lure Brian slowly back into the podcast. Come, come, come back. It's okay. Wakey wakey, Brian. Shh, wakey okay. wakey. We're gonna we're gonna talk about other things. Now. Is it safe? It's safe. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. So the other thing that I found around the internet that I just I had to share was that uh, Vans and Pixar are teaming up for a line of Toy Story themed sneakers. I don't know if you saw the, the images of these things. I want them so badly. They are so cool because on the bottom of them, they have Andy written on it. Have you not seen Van's Star Wars series? I – no. No, oh, I have not. Are you kidding me? Sorry, this is not, I'm going to do it right okay. now. I'm going to look it up right now. Oh, yeah, this is not this is not the first like, creative. Oh, I want. No, I like the Toy Story right. ones better, but those are freaking cool. This is not the first creative thing Vans has done with shoes. Is kind of is all I'm saying. I had asked a friend of the show, John Negroni, uh, who was the author of the Pixar theory, if he's gonna to buy these shoes, and he goes, "I, I really want to, but I can't write my own name on the bottom." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they look really cool. Uh, Brian, what what do you think? Is this something that you would ever, you know, desire after? Brian, what's cooler, the Star Wars ones or the Toy Story? Ooh, that's a good question. Which one's better? Well, I gotta look up the Star Wars ones. Hang on. Vans has been doing incredibly creative things for a long time. the The one thing I will say for oh my uh, god, I want the Darth Vader ones. Right, right, okay. right, right. They're amazing, right? So we we already I I knew what Brian was gonna say. It was it was a loaded question. Here's. <laughs> Here's what I really like about this series versus the Star Wars series. They actually turned the shoe into Buzz Lightyear and Woody, which they did not do with any of the Star Wars. They didn't make a Darth Vader shoe or a Luke shoe or a, or a Chewbacca shoe. They just they just put the prints all over it and the logo all over it. And look, they were very cool. Everything about the Star Wars series van shoes are amazing. However, 
the artistic interpretation of Buzz Lightyear as a shoe is, I mean, it's spot on. Am I am I wrong? No, absolutely. It's fantastic. Like not in, not just in the purple, white, and green, but if you look at the eyelets on on the where the laces go, they're different colors. The color, mm-hmm. same colors as the the panel on his chest. Right. This shoe is Buzz Lightyear, and on on the sole is written Andy. I might cry. <laughs> And the Woody shoe, I, you know what I'd really hope is that somewhere, somewhere on that shoe is printed, there's a snake in my boot. <laughs> or in the sole, there's an actual snake printed inside the shoe. You stop. Get out of my head. <laughs> you get out of my head, Brian. You get out of my head. That would be amazing. I'd uh, you buy know, them in a heartbeat. It's pretty cool, right? I hate to be this guy to do this, saying, hey, these... No, don't be this guy to do this, CJ. God damn it. There's no pricing and no dates yet for release, but damn, I I actually... Wait, 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 wait. Did you find a release date? This is not my Batman cup. Here's what I found. (laughs) I clicked on the link, uh, and I got Vans.com, and I have pricing. Oh. Uh, So the, the... the shoe that I call Buzz Lightyear, they call Toy Story Old School. It's seventy dollars. Looks like a mid-rise, decent. Uh, there's, they do have quite a few things in line with what I saw from the Star Wars line, uh, but those Toy Story Old School. So far, I only see a Woody and a no. There's the rest of them. So I got a, a Woody. I got a Buzz. <laughs> yeah, yeah Sorry. you're hilarious. Sorry. I have a nine-year-old. Um, they got theme socks, shirts, everything. They have a full line, and they're all awesome. And the low-rise canvas ones that you're used to seeing, 60 bucks, High tops, 70 But they're all sold out. They're all out of stock right now, Josh. Look, out of stock or not, I see pricing, and I'm excited. All right. So they're running – you're right. So it looks like the average is about $70. For the shoes, which I, they look great. I I want I want them so badly. Huh. This looks so good. So anyway, so they're seventy dollars. Oh, actually, hold on. You can buy the uh, the Toy Story old school Woody one right now. There you go. And add to cart. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm fucking joking? I'm not. Oh, dude, right. Are you honestly buying these, them? These these shoe liners here. God damn, my size is out of stock. I'm buying them. Buying these. They're called Toy Story Canoodles. I'm buying them. They got the aliens on one. Yeah, I'm buying them. Gotta buy them. Damn it, they're out of stock too. All right. Well, listen, they're available on Vans.com. If your size is available, they range around seventy dollars. Uh, I just I had to share this. I thought this was pretty awesome and very uh, cool. Now I want. I I'm on board. Them. That leather pair. That that brown leather pair. The high top brown leathers, Toy Story Skate High reissue PT. They've got like a cactus on them. And like I could buy those for Christian right now and be completely satisfied with my purchase. Did did I find something on the internet that we all love? Yeah, you found something I like, CJ. It's good. Yes. Congratulations. Do you always need to be validated, CJ? So there's there's an interesting the interesting thing. Well, I don't know how interesting it is. Everyone knows I I pretty much hate horror. I hate everything about it. The Loot crate theme for October is horror. So I'm going to get the regular crate, right? Because that's I've subscribed for the year. That's what I'm doing. But I canceled the DX crate because I don't want horror. So I don't I swear to God if a Freddy Krueger glove showed up at my house, I might have to burn the house down. Dibs. No, I might have to burn the whole house down. So because dibs nightmares. on the house. <laughs> so dibs so, on the ashes of the house. I, I saw there was a spider there, Brian. I don't know. I don't know if you want them. So taking all of it. But there is something interesting happening in October for the first time. The very first WWE Slam crate. And it's a special crate. If you subscribe, it's it's between the pricing of a loot crate and a DX box, and it comes every other month. So you get six of them a year. You pay whatever the price is monthly. I, I don't know what's in it. I don't care, but I can't wait to open it with Christian. Cannot wait. So there's another way that you can actually get your money off the Slam Crate, which is go to thatkindofnerd.com slash loot, and you can actually use our coupon code to get money off your very own Loot Crate. So go ahead, and if you're not a fan of horror, there's obviously alternatives now. 
Go ahead and sign up and get your very own loot crate delivered to your door. It's like Christmas, but it's by yourself and you can there enjoy were, it. There were alternatives to horror before. It was called Happy Things, not <laughs> Horror. <laughs> All right, so this is a small disclaimer. We are going to be entering our favorite section of the entire podcast. Brian, I believe you even have a theme for it, don't you, buddy? Cape Talk! So, disclaimer time. If what we're doing is kind of breaking up Luke Cage that dropped on Netflix, we are going to be talking about the first six episodes. And listeners, that's because I owe you an apology. I apparently am awful at time management and just a terrible human being and didn't watch the entire and series. Ultra. Uh, so I only watched the first six episodes. Brian and Josh, of course, are real nerds who are dedicated to their life, and they took the time to watch all the episodes. So We're dedicated to the craft, sir. Right, the craft. We are going to talk about the first six episodes of Luke Cage. So if you haven't seen it, uh, now is the perfect time to go ahead and turn off. Thanks for listening. But uh, now it's time to go ahead and talk about Luke Cage. Brian, take no, it away. No, no, don't turn off. Pause. Watch the first six episodes, then come back. Right. Right now. Do it now. Right meow. Right meow. You've had a week. God. It's been long enough, actually. I have watched the entire series of Luke Cage, uh, Marvel's newest superhero drama action series, um, which is the third series, uh, followed by Daredevil, or following Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Um I, overall, I highly enjoyed it. Uh, if we're just going to talk about these six episodes, I think there's a lot to talk about there. Um, Josh, uh, well, I mean, you guys, what, what did you think of, of the first six episodes here? TJ? I, I I didn't like it right away. It took me to episode four to fully buy in and, and like this show. Um, I, I kind of feel like it's made for people who didn't watch Jessica Jones and for... Uh, Daredevil, which is okay, uh, but it 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 has a weird, different flow to it because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought into it um, with the episode where they're stuck under the rubble and they go into the backstory of of Luke Cage and and how he got his powers and uh, that dynamic really just gripped me and I I'm now hooked and I want to watch the rest of it. Uh, I'm sure Josh is going to expand on this uh, a whole lot, but I love the music and the 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 way it fits into this show. So this was the. When they released, hey, we're doing Netflix series. We're going to do Daredevil and Iron Fist and the Defenders and Luke Cage. And I was like, Luke Cage. Oh, oh okay. All right, Marvel, you you do you. I, I trust <laughs> you. We, we said the same you thing do with Jessica you, Jones. Boo. You're just like, was, you're going to plot Jessica Jones? I was more worried about Luke Cage than I was about Jessica Jones, believe it or oh, not. Oh, this was way better than Jessica Jones. I disagree with that. Ooh, way I, better. I disagree, too. I disagree with that. It is way better. It was way it, it exceeded my expectations. I was like I said, I was worried about it because I didn't I didn't know how you could do an entire 13 episode series about this particular character, but they did they did a great job and it, it's really solid show with um great actors and, and a decent story. Josh, go ahead and, and give me your, your impressions real quick. Um so Last week, you know, I I wasn't so excited about watching the show, right? And I started immediately skeptical, not loving what I saw, and and it it didn't take it didn't take long, um, because of of several aspects of the show. But by the time I got into episode three, I was hooked. Uh, it, it, I was hooked before that. Episode two got me, but I mean, uh, this show got better and better and better as it went on. And the crazy thing is, CJ, all that sort of confusion and all that sort of, I'm not sure, I I felt the same way about, so as much as I fell, had fallen in love with sort of the, the characters and the storyline, I thought that overall production was lacking because the story as good as it was there was a lot of pieces that didn't fit especially when it came to luke cage's timeline regarding daredevil regarding avengers regarding jessica jones all that stuff and you don't really get all that defined for you until episode seven 
in my, I, I, I think I think I got that right, but I, I feel like it was episode seven. It right. starts, but we're not start talking get, about that. We're doing the first six. I, I understand that you start getting the explanation around episode five, but you don't get the full story until the second half of the series, which is cool. It ties it all together. This series for me was far better than Jessica Jones because of the characters being more relatable. The storyline being more believable, it just it, it just fit for me. And before we even get into the music, it was unbelievable. So here's what I really thought the show did extremely well um, that I feel like they should really work on, especially a little bit more in Daredevil, is that, yeah, I mean, the main characters are great, but, like, the city of Harlem itself is a great, like, driving force behind the story. It, it's like a character almost in and of its own. Like, yeah, every little piece, every little character, people who who only show up for a scene, they have their own personality, they have their own story. And it's really cool how that kind of gets portrayed because Harlem is such a driving force behind Luke Cage himself. I thought they did a great job with that. And Josh, you want to say something? I can. I, I think. I think what what it took for Luke Cage to be successful, and I think maybe the reason I like it so much is that they've taken what they've gotten from the feedback and 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 reaction they've gotten from Daredevil seasons one and two, Jessica Jones, and they were able to you know muster up enough clout to get some serious star power mm-hmm. in, in cameos. I mean. Small appearances from serious stars, and they couldn't have done that with Daredevil season one, right? Jessica Jones doesn't have enough clout to do that, but because of what they've done, how brilliant those other series have been, you get Method Man, you get Raphael Sadiq, you get major hip-hop recording artists like Jadena, you get just... Uh, really, Brian, like you said, credible, street credible. And I think because of what they've shown with Luke Cage, we may see some more tie-ins to Hell's Kitchen and to the other things that make New York so great. The the actual people who bring New York to life. That's what I'm hoping we see. Yeah, I, I do like the characters. I think they are more human and more grounded and more relatable than the other series. Uh, so I agree. That's definitely something that they they got right here. Uh, and I do, like you also say, too, I think just like in Daredevil, the, the city really plays into that and it really is its own personality. So it nailed it. I just the storytelling method for me was just wonky. But now that I, I get it and I see how the story can be told, uh, I'm in, which which is fantastic. All right. So let's. I mean, this is probably going to go into spoiler ter- territory. So let's talk about the story a little bit. Let's talk about the characters. Um, how does everybody feel about Cottonmouth, the the villain? I mean, I I was really on the fence about him for a lot of it, and then he got pretty good towards like episode four, five, five, and then six happened, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, let's uh, let's arrest him and let's put him behind bars. You're just like, uh, where you go? So real quick before so we- that, that's the funny thing though. The moment I was thinking this character was getting a little stale, very right. two dimensional, very, and I don't know what they're gonna do with the story. Then they kind of throw that wrench in, and you're like, oh, all right, this should be interesting. This should be cool to, to kind of see. Real quick before we talk about Cottonmouth, I just want to say one thing. Episode six feels like a mid season finale. Like if, they, if they were yeah. just to stop there and say, OK, we'll we'll give you another two weeks and then we'll drop the other the other episodes. I would have been OK with that. So I feel it was a, a solid. Yeah, it was a solid cliffhanger. I feel I it's think- a good place to, to stop for us right now. But uh, Cottonmouth as a villain, uh, I was I was with you, too. I was just like, this guy seems like, oh, I've seen this character before. They uh, were trying really hard to make him Harlem's Wilson Fisk. And, and bit, it didn't, yeah, it didn't play that way that. for me. No, there's there's a bit of that. But I think. I think what the reason he gets stale is sort of, you know, by episode three and four, you're seeing how he's kind of lost control yeah. a bit. Mm-hmm. And there's there's other forces working against him and he's he's being kind of perceived as weak a bit. And episode five, he has sort of a he has a quorum with his 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 henchmen, so to speak, his captains. 
uh, that really sets the tone. And again, back to the music. Uh, episode five is is where, and I haven't been able to stop talking about this. I haven't been able to stop telling people about this song or this series. I've watched the first three minutes of episode five probably fifty times uh, because they feature this hip hop artist from Wisconsin named Jadena, the land of cheese. That look, I, 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 as soon as this episode opened, it was just the dirtiest, hardest beat I've heard in a long time. You just start spitting fire and you go, this is, I'm interested, right? Even if, even if you're not a giant hip hop fan, like I am, you're interested because it's, it sets, it's sort of setting the tone, right? And you, you see Cottonmouth up in the loft sort of bopping around to it. He's watching a, a private viewing a rehearsal. And then you see Luke Cage tossing rubble and you see, uh, you know, night nurse appear, it's setting the tone for the episode, and as as things start to get violent, the song becomes the theme. But it's also it's also outlining Cottonmouth's whole character in the moment while you're watching. The song fits perfectly. It's telling a story about multiple characters. It's telling the story of Harlem. It's telling the story about Luke Cage and the attitude. It's telling a story about Night Nurse, and it's outlining Cottonmouth's need for power. And, and envy of others and wanting to be that figure, figurehead at least. Um, and that's when he decides to sort of, you know, notch thing, you know, ratchet things up a notch. Right. It, the, the music is not a placeholder. It's not background noise. It is dialogue. It it's is. Per, it's, it's perfect. It's, it's, it's Quentin poetry, Tarantino it's, in nature. It's poetry telling you this is what's happening. It's doing so much that uh, you need to watch episodes again just to, to catch – you know, the lyrics and, and to catch the mood and who the camera's on when certain lyrics are said and it really can kind of pierce through and, and kind of show you something different, which is wonderful. I mean, that's art when that happens. And that's that's a huge win for this show. It's, it's yep. something that just other TV shows need to take notice. Other people need to take notice. This is how you do that. Hip hop and R&B are notoriously difficult to to really use well. You can't. You probably can't recall many things that have used hip hop well to illustrate part of the story. And usually it's just that RZA or Quentin Tarantino and RZA combination that do it. This show just, it does it for me. The way they use the music, the Raphael Sadiq in episode two was perfect. Everything was great. And it's all, what's beautiful is that it's all New York artists. And every episode of this show is uh, the 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 title of a Gangstar track, which is a, a, a super popular uh, group from from the area, and I, it's something I grew up listening to. As soon as I saw episode two was called Code of the Streets, I went, well, they didn't mention Code of the Streets, so I started sort of looking forward, and they're all Gangstar tracks. It was very cool. It's a nice tribute. I'm sorry. I thought you were leaning forward about to say something, CJ. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking something up real quick for probably the next thing that you're going to talk about. What do you think I'm going to talk about? Uh, I thought we were going to talk about other characters such as Shades. Juice? Yeah, let's talk about Shades. Um, it's all I can see when, when he talks, by the way. Juice? Oh, juice? That's all I have. He's Juice. A, That's who he is. I have such a hard time believing him as anybody else other He's, than Juice. He is Juan Carlos Ortiz. Yeah. That's who he is. The Sons of Anarchy character he plays is so iconic that when oh, I watch yes, this, I'm yeah, just like, I have no idea. Juice. It's just, no, it's Juice. And, and to me, that's probably all he'll ever be as an actor. And I feel I, it, so bad because he's unfair. trying so hard. He's it's doing unfair. such a good job. But he's Juice. That's who he but is. He's, he's that kid. He's, uh, I feel bad for him. Um, I, I think he's yeah. doing. I didn't have that. I've never seen Sons of Anarchy. So then what did you think of Shades? Yes. I I think he's a great character. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um I think his role in the first, you know, inside the first 6 episodes of him trying to kind of manipulate things behind the scenes, he's trying to manipulate uh Mariah and Kind of keeps dropping, keeps dropping Diamondback's name. Keeps dropping Diamondback's name and trying to kind of bend Cottonmouth to you know what he wants him to do. It's an interesting dynamic. I I I 
Because he really seems like a henchman, that. right? But he acts, but he acts like a boss. Yeah, he starts off as his unwanted nuisance of "I don't need you here, go away," and then becomes like a consultant well, who's like, "Well, let me tell you how to run your your business." His um, inside of his first scene, like Cottonmouth says, uh, "Why does this feel not like you know, a check in and more like a takeover?" And Shades is like, "This is what you want it to be, man. You you take it how you want. I'm just here to help." And it slowly turns into he's not just here to help. He's slowly working against Cottonmouth. Yeah. He's playing the long game. And not it, even suddenly. Really cool. Like, going for it. I mean, so uh, I, loved, I loved his character. I thought it was great. I liked the connection they give him to Luke Cage, serving time with him in yep. the prison. And Seagate, yep. Um, you know, I, I think that was a really cool uh, kind of connection, but, you know, to kind of connect all of these characters together. Connected to the origin story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I loved him. I've never seen Sons of Anarchy. So when you say juice, I think apple juice. Sure. <laughs> let me have some. He's juice. That's all right. Juan Carlos Ortiz. He is juicy the, the, boy. The thing about him, again, in just the first six episodes, so that's the knowledge I have. So sorry, everybody. Um, there's something about him that's m- more. There's something that's clearly not shown, not explained and i don't know what it is but it bothers me that i don't know it he's batman <laughs> well for me i first thought the shades was like when he takes off the shades and looks you in the eye he can manipulate you and then i was just not like, like he's that's not sylvester stallone and over the top when he turns his hat around he's like a truck he's like a machine i know I, now he can go ahead and out wrestle you know i just put down that's the sylvester that's right that's over the stallone. top there we go in the comic book, he's called Shades because he has these like kind of goggles, almost Cyclops like. He kind of shoots blasts from them. That's why he's called. But I mean, that's cool. Let's let that you, get into you can't. The show. But you can't do that in in, in a show. So in, in a universe that they've grounded pretty well in reality, yeah, you could have him as an experiment With in that the, prison. The only really fantastical thing and person in this show is Luke Cage, and the fact that he's bulletproof. And that's about it. Don't people get the memo that shooting guns at him doesn't work? No, they don't. They don't get the memo. Why can't Maybe they a got simple the memo, text message be like, Because nobody believes there's a bulletproof dude walking around. Um, so I want to talk about some of the ancillary characters. Yes. And I want to start with Pop and just how wonderful he is up until he gets shot. Um... Go ahead, CJ. It's one of the things you see coming a, a mile away. You're just like, you, wow, this character's great. But oh, you don't no. want it. Right. No, don't. You know it's coming. You don't want it to happen. Uh-uh, Luke Cage's going to save him. Uh-uh. You know, you know what's, uh, what's great about, about the character, Frankie Faison in general? Um, he played a very similar character on Banshee and was amazing on that show. But he just, he's always so good. And... The role of Pop, integral to Luke Cage's development, fantastic. And you know, there's not there's not a whole lot more you can say about him. He's he's a great character. You hate to see him go away, but it's a good plot device and it's sort of the catalyst for everything. What I love about the character is the effect he has on not just Luke Cage, but like as you learn more about Harlem. Pop, he he has an effect on Harlem. He has an effect on Cottonmouth. Um, this is a guy who's played both sides of the law and decided that he, you know, didn't want that life. He he wanted to go straight and do some good. And, and you know, it, it's a really kind of great character and a great foil for both those characters and a great uh, story point to kind of get both of these characters to move forward and do what they, you know, were meant to do. Luke Cage doesn't want to be Harlem's savior, but he ends up having to be because of what happened to him. We we've we've talked so far. It's, it's a lot about it's a lot about Harlem and about uh the culture and all and the spirit, all that stuff. Um Harlem, I mean it, it's 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 like four square miles. It's not small. Um the the thing I guess that I want to see more of is I mean this really most of this story is in a small neighborhood. That's mm. not I mean that's not right. Harlem. It's a it's a piece of it, right? So, I know that there'll be more development um 
And just for you know the listeners, we get Harlem isn't about this one street corner. It's it's much bigger than that. We get it. Um, it's it's really we hope to see more. It's just this is so focused. Pop, Pop's Barbershop was the focal point. Is really ground zero for everything that happened in this episode. Without it and without Pop, everything changes. It it, it not we can't have the rest of the series without Pop dying and without having. Pop's Barbershop still hang around and still be a fixture for it. It kind of serves as the like the the bat cave for Luke Cage. It serves as the the fortress of solitude for him. It, it's his hideout. It, it's where he lives. But it's also this neutral point between like everybody knows that you don't mess around with Pop's Barbershop. Well, not which everybody. What, that's why he got thrown off a roof. Right. <laughs> which is what makes that more even more devastating. There's a very big deal that like, hey, Nobody messes with this guy. He is a, a good guy who, you know, understands, you know, kind of the plight. He doesn't mess around with us. We're not going to mess around with him. We're not going to shake him down for, you know, protection money or anything like that. And I, I mean, Pop dying and then the destruction of that trust is between, you know, the people who just want to stay out of it and the 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 gangs of this area is, it's a huge deal. And, and that goes right back to the point that I was saying that the entire, like just even fixtures and, and buildings like the barbershop or like a character in this, this story, they're a plot device and that drives the story forward. Um, so I thought it was great. I thought the usage of it was great. Even after it gets shot up, the fact that we're repairing it, we're trying to to, to rebuild it. It's because extremely it, it's, symbolic of what's it's, going it's on. It's symbolic. It's an icon in, in that town. Um, I loved it. And then, uh, you know, as far as like kind of secondary characters, obviously, you're going to have to refresh my memory. Episode five, Night Nurse shows up. Again, five. Yes, five. Five. She, five. She shows up in in six, the beginning she's... in that amazing performance we had. So Claire shows back up, and she, um, I mean, in the first two, in the first two minutes, somebody, somebody, uh, <laughs> mugs her, yanks her purse off her shoulder. She chases him down and kicks his ass to Jadena, laying down some rhymes. She. Awesome. I, what I love about night nurse is that she's the character that gets to float between all of these series. She is the glue. She's that your Nick can, Fury. Exactly. But she's the glue that holds it all together. And she realizes that, you know, these, these people with abilities are, are not to be feared. They need our help. And, and that it's not all about the, you know, guy with the hammer and the green monster. It's about the normal people that happen to have these abilities and, and how they're trying to help out their community and their local people. And she's fantastic. I love her everything about it. I, I, thought, I thought it was awesome. really cool that her, that her mom was just like, yeah, you should do that. Yeah. Like there was no hesitation, right? She was just like, you know what? That's a good idea. And I'm like, wow, that's not what I expected at all. As a supportive mother. And they're again, planting the seed that uh, once we get through these small individual uh, storylines with these characters, there's a bigger thing at play. Uh, she talked about the bodies rising up after they've been cut open for uh, uh, an autopsy and, you know, that there's more things coming. Don't just focus on Cottonmouth and Luke Gage fighting each other. There's bigger things happening. There better not be zombies. Well, there was in Daredevil season two. That's what she was referring to. Right. Better not be zombies. But, but they're, they're not zombies. They're, they're, they're ninjas. Anyway, um, and as far as like kind of secondary characters go, uh, Misty Knight, uh, well, Mercedes Knight is a great, is a great, uh, addition to the universe. Um, I, th- I think she, her character is great. Uh, I think her kind of mistrust of really everybody. She feels like she's kind of alone fighting this battle. What What's up with her gift of sight? There's no gift. That's just how she processes information. It's like Sherlock's mind palace. Yeah. Okay, but it's not explained. It seems to me in watching the show that it's a gift, not a processing tool. I thought so at first. I was like, oh, she's got an ability. But then I did tie it back to Sherlock, like we we like we discussed on a, a Hey, did you see? It it is a mind palace kind of like thing, in my interpretation, at least. Yeah, no, there's nothing nothing overly special about her. She's just that's how she processes 
the crime scene. She imagines herself there. She's looking around. She's you know sees how yeah doesn't down. but doesn't it seem like when she's done with processing it, she she sort of gleans the way things actually happened and not oh i get to say this josh i think you're overthinking this and taking too many details and blowing them out of proportion i don't think i am i mean it's the first time i get to say this this is great she envisions something the way it actually happened and then her suspicions are about what actually went down now that's contrary to what every other officer investigating these cases is thinking She's thinking things the way she sees them in her, you know, mind grapes there. So if it's not a gift and it's just a Sherlock thing, she would really, I mean, there's no deduction happening. She would have no idea things are going down this way. She has these suspicions because she sees them. So my question is, could this be a an embellishment on the part of Netflix to add add some sort of enhancement to a character? I mean, if they do, it's not canon. But I, again, well, you're the I, guy I think, that hates canon to begin with I, when it comes to these shows. I, I, but I still think you're reading a little bit too much into it. I think the fact that she's figuring this stuff out just proves how good of a cop she is, and the fact that she cares. She works in a police department filled with uh, crooked cops, people That's, who don't give a crap about yeah other people and she's the only one who does and is again tying into the fact that you don't have to be a super hero or super person to that's that's all fine but then don't show it to me that way how would you prefer that they show it to you yeah over the desk looking at pictures no maybe maybe like you know various scenes playing out and then she chooses one but that's not what's happening right like you you know you know what i'm talking about where you know you got like the sort of the nicholas cage next effect right where you see god three or four different scenarios playing out and then she she arrives at a conclusion i'm i i don't know i look i'm just saying the way it plays out to me seems like she's got a gift if that's not the case then this is going to be misunderstood by a lot of people not just me well i'm curious if you're the only one who feels that way i'm definitely not all right well if you if you are not i would like you to, to email us at luke cage at that kind tell us otherwise all right well before we give final thoughts for the first six episodes we do have a message from a fan about his take on the episode, so I, I want to go ahead and I, I want to play that. Hey, CJ. I, I got a message. Luke Cage, I hear y'all talking about it tonight. Now, I know some things I can probably say about it that I might get a pass that y- y'all might not be able to say, but look, like I told you, that that was a really, really black film, man. It's not that I got anything against black films being a black person, but that was really black, man. They 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 attacked a lot of different issues that it was like uh, I don't know if they should have really attacked. Like I ain't want to really want to see Marvel taking on the N word controversy, the the Black Lives Matter joint, and I get being relevant in the in the in the course of what's going on. But I like to see the the fantasy world of everything going on. I mean, not to mention the the, the bad script writing and poor acting and poor execution of planning everything out was a bit weird. Like, I could have swore, like, Shades grew up with the cotton mouth and, and pop and everything, and I, th- I thought that's what happened. So when uh when the congresswoman was like, who's the dude in the shade standing next to him? I was like, you don't remember this dude? Like, <laughs> I don't know. That was just one thing. I mean... This dude in an afro and and a wig mustache was just too much, man. It's so much I could just keep talking. I ain't going to put a long message on it, but I just wanted to tell you that. So uh, Jamal is not 100% fan of the the acting and the the writing of the show, and uh, he's right. He can say some things that we can't say about the show, so I appreciate him. Well, look, I think think it's important for a show – to be relevant, right? Whether it's politically, what have you, socially relevant, it has to be relevant. And you know what? Absolutely, they hit on a bunch of topics that are sensitive, and and you'd expect to see them. And I, I think to his point, there were points where I went, ah, oh, it's a little preachy. But 
overall, I think that r- really the the show is doing a good job expressing a bunch of views that are pretty prevalent, at least in social media. It was relevant. It was it was you know on topic. I didn't I didn't think it was poorly written or poorly acted. So I guess in in that in that point I disagree. I don't know Jamal, I don't know man if if it's if it's a thing where you know maybe maybe you're you're hung up on on you you don't maybe you object a bit to the the political nature of the show and that's I I don't know. I don't think there's a good way to say, you know, remove it because it's hard to, right? But at face value, I thought this was really solid. I thought everything about it was solid. I was happy with the way it delivered. And again, you know, we're only talking about the first six episodes and and I'm viewing it as a a whole picture because I really can't separate it because of the way – I mean, I binge watch this thing hard. Mm -hmm. So – I'm I'm about it, and I'm about it for a bunch of different reasons. A, a lot of the things that, that resonate from when I was a kid, and and hip hop culture, and 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 just everything came together the right way for me. Right now, without the political commentary from my end, which you won't get, yeah, I I could see, I can absolutely see your point. There's a lot of sensitive stuff there, and as a comic book fan, I often don't want to see that kind of thing, you know tackled in in my books but watching something for the masses it's it's got to be there it's got to be relevant to your point it's got to be relevant so i mean there's obviously so much more to discuss about the show like you said this is only the first six episodes so there's a couple more after there's seven more after this right there's 13 all right so there's seven more episodes after this uh which we are going to talk about next week so we're going to wrap up the whole show talk about it in its entirety and give some final thoughts so uh, please send any comments you have about the show to luke cage at that kind of nerd.com uh and please uh just tell us what you feel about this and uh, another topic so again if you need something nerd translated uh let us know find us on facebook and twitter at that kind of nerd i want to thank brian and i want to thank josh for joining me for this episode thank you so much for making us your walk around your neighborhood or your drive to work and we'll see you guys next week Well, thanks for making us your walk around the neighborhood or your ride to work. At thatkindofnerd.com. This has been the longest nine minutes and 40 seconds of my life. At thatkindofnerd.com. People can just make make the internet say anything. These days. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like if a couple people got on a Google Hangout and started recording their thoughts and musings about random shit. <laughs> we can make the internet say whatever we want. That's kind of my point. <laughs>